it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Best stop. Brad Restituto. Hand off, Damian Williams trying to get to the edge, breaks a tackle, 35, 30, Damian Williams, 20, stays in bounds, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City! And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the 2, to the 1, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone, a touchdown! Derek looks left, Derek going to throw for the end zone, Welcome to the rest stop. It's February 16th, 2021. I'm Brad Restituto, your host, Spencer the Wiz. Joining me as always, got a good show for you tonight as we wrapped up Valentine's Day weekend and President's Day yesterday. Uh, heavy NBA show tonight as we're kicking in the middle of the season of NBA. Uh, the story so far and right now, the Utah Jazz, as they won again last night in impressive fashion and are playing the best basketball right now. The Lakers, injury to Anthony Davis, what does that mean to their future? And we'll sprinkle in a little NFL news as well. So thanks for joining us. We're with you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time, on twitch.tv slash Football. You can also follow us live on my Twitter channel, at Brad the Believer, and on my Facebook page, Brad Restituto. Spencer the Wiz, you can follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, let's jump right into it. Uh, we'll have a guest tonight as well, Tyler Brown, former basketball assistant basketball coach at University of Monterey Bay, Cal State Fullerton. We'll talk NBA basketball and get his opinion on any everything going on in the NBA right now as well. Some games going on tonight and uh, a few still in action, and we'll get to the scores right now. Uh, the primetime games, there was two of them. On TNT, the Grizzlies, Spence, your Grizzlies, they were the first game on TNT tonight. Uh, they were leading early, and then the Pelicans looked like they kind of pulled away late. They ended up winning 144-113. Zion was an animal, Spence. He went to the rack at will, scoring 31 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, Spence, let's talk about that real quick. The game was close at the beginning, but what do you see from the Pelicans tonight uh, as they kind of rolled away and, and, and won comfortably towards the end? Yeah, the Grizzlies just have a uh, awful, awful matchup with the Pelicans uh, in the past like three years. It's never a game that I look forward to at any point in time, uh, and they just got crushed. They uh, they're not playing well right now. Uh, 
and the, the longer Jaron Jackson and everybody else is out, the worse it's going to be for Memphis. That's kind of my main stay. They played very well up to this point, way better than they should have. They should be one of the worst teams in the league. But of course, uh, Taylor Jenkins has them playing competitive. I think they're like the top three and the least amount of turnovers per game. They're ramping that up to a whole new level right now. I'm not really sure where that comes from. Uh, John Morant was out for a while, so I guess you can say that uh, reintroducing him to the offense has caused some issues. Rookie uh, Tilly, Killian Tilly, I think his name, or Xavier Tillman. Uh, we have Tilly, and I get those two mixed up all the time, but he he's playing pretty awful right now. He was he had like three back-to-back turnovers in the third quarter. Uh, and, and the Pelicans are just due at any point in time for massive games uh, to go off. And we saw that tonight. So uh, Memphis just has a, a lot of questions to answer. But in reality, they don't because like, now they have some sort of standard this season that they're playing above where they should. So we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, get some good wins and maybe continue to have these bad losses. They just beat uh, the uh sacramento kings like a couple nights ago so you never know what you're gonna get out of them and tonight it was just horrible yes yeah, Spence, i put the pelicans in one of those categories like the nets and and some of these other teams the warriors it's like one night you'll get an outstanding performance and then they'll disappoint you the next night i mean are, are you seeing this as well in the nba from night to night it's so hard to even not only just bet on it but to have an expectation for any team because there's not a lot of consistency yeah, uh, I, I have a very short list of teams that I actually bet, and I hate the Pelicans more than anybody. I actually stay away from them now uh, because I had picked them a couple nights ago. They were minus four and a half favorites over the Pistons, and they got like blown out by them. And of course, like Walt Memphis tonight. I was actually interested in the Pelicans tonight just because of how bad Memphis has been playing. There are some teams you just have to to not bet on straight up. I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, the Pelicans would be one of them. I love uh, anytime the Brooklyn Nets are down one of their stars. It's the easiest bet in the world. They'll always be close games because two of the stars we playing, uh, and they get blown out. So today my ticket got ruined because uh, the T Wolves came out that D'Angelo Russell was going to be out for an extended period of time. Uh, after I had bet on them, I didn't know he wasn't on the injury report this morning, uh, so that killed me. They are they lost their uh, point spread by a point for me tonight, and then I had the Suns, and I think the Suns were blowing out the Brooklyn Nets if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Spence, what I'm seeing here, we're coming up on the end of the third quarter. This is the back end of the primetime game on TNT tonight. The Suns, who are 17-9 and on the season, Spence, they've kind of rolled out the consistency. They're playing pretty well so far this year. They do have a nice lead on the Nets here, 188. They have a better record than the Nets this year, leading the way, Devin Booker, 22 points, 6 assists. And, and we'll get into some, some Nets talk here as well tonight is we're going to be pretty much heavy basketball and NBA tonight as we're right in the heart of the season. Uh, a little bit of a shortened season, 72 games this year. Uh, spent a few other good games tonight. Another team that's not really been that consistent. They're only 16 and 12 on the year, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they lose by double digits tonight, 124-113 to the Raptors, who are trying to hover around 500. Fred Van Fleet, who's had a nice year for Toronto this far. He had 33 points, seven assists, four rebounds. Uh, Toronto gets the win. Milwaukee's another one of those teams. I don't know that you could trust them, and I don't know that they're scaring anybody come playoff time with a 16-12 and 12 record so far this year, and we're almost at the halfway point. I'm a huge proponent of selling out for championships. I, I'm, even if it doesn't work out, I, I will support those teams even in the worst years uh, because not a lot of teams get that opportunity. But you should never, ever sell out for Drew Holiday. 
Is he a terrible point guard? Of course not. Has he been consistent? Is he awesome defensively? Yes. But for the assets they gave up for him, absolutely not worth it. I said that from day one. And it's showing true now. I think he was out tonight. So I guess uh, my point isn't completely proven, especially if they lose by double digits. But they shouldn't be losing by double digits uh, even without him to a Toronto Raptors team that has been lackluster at best this entire season. Uh, I have no idea uh, what to make of Toronto, although they are gaining a lot of consistency. They have obviously a top five head coach in the NBA and Nick Nurse. So if they can make it happen, it's going to Miami is another team that's kind of making resurgence, although I really just don't believe in them, period. Uh, They lost to a Clippers team with four starters out. I think they were on like a four game winning streak, but I'd much rather put my faith in the Toronto Raptors right now than I would in the Miami Heat, if that says anything. Yeah, uh, it says a lot to me, Spence. Uh, but to- Toronto may be one of those teams that could start playing better towards the middle of the year and still find them way- their way in the playoffs and-, and scare some teams late. I mean, they have that championship pedigree, Nick Nurse, uh, coach of the year and former coach of the year and has a lot of respect. And-, and these guys know what it's like to win. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see them play their best basketball towards the end of the year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, you would think that would be a Miami, but uh... – I think they just put a target on their back like this entire season. They shouldn't have been in the finals last year. Everyone knows that they weren't the most talented team for sure. Jimmy Butler says for everyone to look out because they're going to be even better this year. When you say stuff like that, I mean, everybody's going to hate you. In a condensed schedule, I think you're not playing that many teams from the West either. So you're just going down the gauntlet of teams that absolutely are circling the date on their calendar for you. Uh, They have no, no defensive presence like they should. And, uh, you know, Tyler Hero is, I think, playing above his means at sometimes too. I know he's had some few games here, but they need more out of Jimmy Butler than Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero should be the uh, compliment piece to him. Spence, uh, you mentioned the Timberwolves on your ticket earlier. They uh, fall to 7-21 and on the season, one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, the Lakers, without Anthony Davis, continue to find a way to win. LeBron has 30-13 and tonight. 112-104, the Lakers get the win. Uh, we'll get into some Lakers discussion a little bit later as we talk about uh, what life will look like without Anthony Davis long-term. But as of tonight, the Lakers continue uh, to put another victory on the board. The Portland yeah, Trailblazers, yeah. Spence, the Portland Trailblazers tonight, quietly, in my opinion, 17-10 and 10 on the year. When you tell me that's their record, I'm surprised. Uh, I didn't. They didn't get off to the, the quickest start this year. Uh, but there's seven games above 500. Damian Miller goes for 31, 10, and 7. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, CJ McCollum is still out of the lineup with an injury. Another win for Portland tonight, though. Yeah, my MVP pick that I put in before the season yes. started. But it's still alive. It's still alive. He actually started off like terrible. And I was like, oh, okay, it's dead. But now that CJ McCollum's out, he's obviously had to step up quite a bit. So if they can get up to like the top three seed or something like that, I think my Damian Lillard MVP pick is uh, definitely not looking too horrible right now. I got some crazy odds on it, so it was really worth it in the end. Unfortunately, my Isaac Okoro uh, rookie of the year is completely dead, so at least I have one uh, long-term bet still alive. No, but, you know, it depends with them. If they come up against someone who's great defensively, they get smashed. They're a terrible defensive team, especially when you have Ennis Cantor there at the center position. I mean, it's just... You're not, he's get great for offensive rebounding. He's good in the post, but still defensively just gets absolutely manhandled, uh, which is why that 76ers win was just absolutely shocking. Uh, so I, I have no idea. I actually like betting them quite a bit. They're one of my favorite teams to bet. 
along with like the Lakers are one of them. Uh, I, short lines to me are actually probably my main indicator for betting right now. Uh, Cause a lot of them are just very peculiar. I'll, I'll give you a, a sneak peek of a ticket that I won yesterday. Uh, okay. I mean, this, just you can get into some of my philosophy and a little betting uh, tips for, I guess, people who are interested. But uh, yeah, I had the Bulls plus five over the Pacers, and I had the Wizards minus one over the Rockets. Betting against the Rockets right now, by the way, is like the easiest thing you can ever do. They're without like four of their starters, and they have nobody out there right now. So I have no idea how – I know the Wizards are bad, but they certainly aren't that bad. Uh, so that was a great one. And the Pacers can just lose on any given night. And I actually like the Bulls. I think they're playing a little desperate right now. So – I, I stay away from the the ones that are like nine ten because it's just really it's kind of too hard to read them and it, there's too much fluctuation unless you want to buy points you can do that as well but uh, yeah that's kind of my thought process on betting so far in the NBA season I, I'm I'm winning at like a forty percent rate on my NBA tickets. And Spence, you talked about last night a little bit. I'm looking through the scoreboard of last night's game, Spence, and tonight the scoring is just kind of through the roof this year in the NBA. I mean, talk about that a little bit. What, do you think there's anything specific that's that's making these NBA games just so, so high scoring? Wizards win 131-119 over the Rockets last night. The Knicks 123-112 over the Hawks. Uh, I mean, the, the scoring is through the roof this year. Yeah, well, there, there's a this is a multifaceted thing. So, And it really kind of goes by team-by-team team basis because the Knicks have actually held teams under 100 points quite consistently this season, in my opinion. So they're, they're getting it done on some level. Uh, but if you want to talk about the Hawks, they have invested nothing in the defense this season. They are the team that should have went after Isaac Okoro and nobody else in this year's draft. Instead, what do they do? They sign Gallinari and they get another kid uh, who cannot play defense in the draft. It makes no sense to me. That's what's going to happen to you. Clint Capella was the most important trade or sign. I forget how they got him uh, that this team has had in the past decade outside of Trey Young. Uh, but if you keep ignoring the position, you don't sign anybody who can play defense. This is what's going to happen. We see this also with the Brooklyn Nets, who I don't think have given up less than 120 points since the James Harden trade. And uh, you can also talk about this in a greater scope of like basketball. I was sitting with my buddy. We were watching old Memphis Grizzlies highlights, old Carmelo Anthony highlights for the Knicks. Basketball has le- lost some of the pizzazz with the game. Basketball just isn't nearly as exciting now. You can't play defense anymore. I mean, I think that gets overstated just a little bit, but obviously it's a little easier for a guy to go to the free throw line 10 to 12 times than it was even just five years ago. Uh, I think Adam Silver has he hasn't ruined the game of basketball, but he's getting darn near close to it. He has no control over what's going on. Uh, David Stern would have never allowed the James Harden trade to go through that much as uh, positive. So uh I would say the majority of the blame goes on coaches. Second, probably Adam Silver, the way he wants the league to be run. And then third, you can say just the game has changed and the people are shooting more three-pointers and three points. Three points is worth more than two. (laughs) That's that's the last point. Well, no, this is interesting. And maybe talk about this a little more because you you said you you were in a conversation and the game of basketball maybe or NBA basketball – has lost uh, some of its pizzazz a little bit, but you'll have conversations, and, and, and I think you may agree that NBA, the NBA is, is as talented now as it's ever been with the superstars and the players. So, so talk about that dichotomy between a game that's as talent-ridden as it is now but still lost something. I mean, how do you explain that? 
Yeah. So this is actually a really interesting conversation. It goes back to like how you like what you think is good basketball. Okay. I'll go back and I'll watch a game from like the 90s. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's the most exciting basketball I've ever seen. Like hitting the low post. I enjoy, I mean, I grew up with Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul. So obviously I like a little bit of post game, but they're just feeding into the post, like maybe 10, three pointers a game. It's boring. It can be. And then you have the other extreme of like this year where there is no post play essentially at all. I mean, the post play eventually essentially ended with Zach Randolph. You could say LaMarcus Aldridge even has completely altered his game. He no longer plays in the post. So it comes down to the philosophies and I mean, a lot of it starts and it. Like, I don't think anybody talks about this nearly enough in AAU basketball when these kids are 10, uh, we have gotten to the point where we are watching these kids like from when they are 13 and up, uh, you want to talk about like Charles Barkley's age. They didn't start playing basketball seriously until they were in high school. Uh, I think it's caused a lot of severe injuries for kids these days too. When they get into the league, that's why you're seeing more torn ACLs. And I, I don't have the statistics or the data. I don't think there's even been a study on this, but I think that's why you see more torn ACLs uh, in all of sports, like across all of them, because we put so much pressure on these kids. And, and as a kid, when you look up today, playing in the post, playing like really good defense, isn't going to get you noticed by scouts, the crazy dribbling moves, the, the scoring 30 points a game, the shooting from half courts. That's what's going to give you a chance to get on a better AAU team, which could hopefully get you scouted and get you to a better high school. So <laughs> it's weird to say that I think ru- like basketball is being ruined when kids are 13, but that's just my honest opinion on it. Spence, you make a good point. I'd love to, to continue this conversation with uh, Tyler Brown. If we get him on, because uh, you make you make some really good points there, and I'll even continue on that. Uh, when I'm watching some high school mixtapes or I'm watching high school basketball and you watch these talented guys, the actual game of basketball sometimes gets lost. It's so much one-on-one. You know, the ball movement is almost not existent. You talked about the post game that's almost no longer there. Uh, and it's interesting, and I, I'm interested to hear people's philosophy between, you know, talent and fundamentals and, and what could possibly win out. And for a while, uh, Greg Popovich and the Spurs were winning out on that conversation when they were kind of dominating the league and, and seemed to be the only team playing uh, like a pure style of basketball. But we, we certainly see it uh, throughout the game on every level, high school to the pros, where you could turn on any game and, and you don't see a lot of fundamental basketball. The ball movement is almost non-existent. It's kind of a one-on-one game, uh, like a run and gun type game. And that goes into the scoring, but that goes into also the, the difference in, and like you said, turning on a game years ago and then turning on a game now. I mean, do, do you kind of agree with that Spence that, I mean, the actual art of the game, the X's and O's, the psychology gets kind of lost nowadays as you turn on any game on any level and you kind of see guys just pretty much it's a one-on-one type game. Yeah. Uh, gosh. I, I want to say like that basketball in its core, like passing the ball, because we see Golden State, they're the ones who really changed like the entire NBA, like the way we play. I think there's been a little bit of a resurgence since then where everyone's like, okay, the center position is dead. And then you go, you know, to last season where the center position was by far the most important position in basketball, Bam Adebayo. I've talked about this before, Anthony Davis and all of them. Uh, Jokic were like the three centerpieces of the playoffs last year. Uh, I think... I think a major problem with just in like from a fundamental level too is we expect kids to play year round now. 
that that is a major issue in baseball and basketball, whatever you want to call it. Children who have not made it to high school yet should not be playing basketball year round, nor should they be traveling every single day of their lives. We need to give some kids a little bit of normalcy because we're setting up unrealistic expectations for them. We're wearing down their bodies. If if kids can just have like a like a six month schedule where it's not about like the sponsorships and the Instagram, the post, the uh, sponsored Instagram stuff. There's no regulations on this stuff. And I think that's a massive issue. Again, it's it's about the glamorization of the game, I think, is what's become the issue of it, where you, you like it's all about how many views your highlight clips and stuff have. And, uh, you know, I, I, it can go a very long way. So like, I'll just go back. And again, I'm thinking about like old basketball, just the way like people interacted with each other, too, at the games and how exciting the garden was and Maybe that comes with, uh, you know, some of the more popular franchises being good again, too. Like when Carmel Anthony, Tyson Chandler, J.R. Smith, Pablo Prigioni, like the Steve Novak days. I mean, there was a buzz going every single night. And the Charlotte Bobcats and stuff were the worst team where nobody still cared about that. But then you still had the small market teams like Memphis who made just enough buzz to keep people interested. Uh, And I think also... There's uh, players are much more willing, you know, to go to different teams now. That's also a huge issue. LeBron James, I guess, started the wave here. And there's been a much more top heavy, uh, you know, distribution of talent where like two superstars are on, on, on like any playoff team. And that's the only way to get it done. The Nuggets are probably one of the only examples of that being differently where it's homegrown. For the most part. Uh, teams that have won championships are like bioengineered. Uh, the Warriors, I guess you could say, I mean, they essentially got lucky. And then for the one championship because of injuries. And then when you have Kevin Durant, that's obviously an orchestrated team. We've seen the, the highest end of this now with the Brooklyn Nets, where, you know, they just have completely gutted their team. Houston now is going to be horrible. Uh, the Wizards are now just awful. And, um, you know, the there are other teams that are like in the conversation, like the Pacers with Paul George, were never going to win a championship, but you could hear arguments at some point on how they had a chance to, you could hear an argument of how the Grizzlies could make it, you know, to the conference finals, which they did at some point. Uh, so uh, the, the Thunder were all so good. So the one through eight has a possibility of going to the conference finals. Now it's one, two or three. Four, if you're extremely lucky, and most of the times, almost never. And I don't think it's fun to see one, two, three every single year because that means the because we we can all predict in the in the preseason. Oh, who are the best teams in the league going to be? These three teams, they are okay. Who's going to beat them in the playoffs? Nobody. All right, they're going to go there barring injuries. So the predictability, I think, is also you know lost a little bit of uh, what we used to love about basketball and. Yeah, that's just my general thoughts. <laughs> no, Spence, uh, you make a good point, and, it, and it's interesting because it's sometimes it's hard uh, to to really quantify that or analyze that when you have such star power in the NBA. But when you really look at it, you know, it's at times it, it, it does have that lost luster. But I think come playoff time, the star recognition and some of the matchups, especially that we could possibly see this year. Uh, with the two LA teams in the Western Conference and then Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference, uh, could really it, it's always exciting come later in the year. So, and look, LeBron James is building uh, a type of legacy here that 
you know, is in, in the conversation like we've been having with Tom Brady. So it's something that is generational happening right now with the Lakers and with LeBron James's career. And it's something as a sports fan you want to kind of cherish. And, and speaking of LeBron James, some of the conversation came up uh, around the, the, some of the sports shows today, Spence. And I'm, I, now that we kind of mentioned it, I'm with LeBron James. I'm kind of curious your opinion. It talked about during the possible NBA lockout of 2011, uh, LeBron James talked about having an opportunity to play for the Dallas Cowboys and go to training camp there and what that transition would have been like for LeBron James as an NFL player. Um, and there were some differing opinions, but we've seen guys that are former basketball players make the transition to the NFL and they weren't the caliber of basketball player LeBron James was. I- I'm convinced without any question. If LeBron James would have played NFL football and, and stayed healthy, he would be uh, a superstar immediately without question. W- what are your thoughts on that subject? Yeah, it's just when you say that, one of the most cliche things that makes you sound like you're woke when you or like you're a perfect sports analyst is to say that Antonio Gates and Jimmy Graham used to play basketball before they went to the NFL. Anytime yeah. those two are put on the screen, that's the first thing that's said. Uh, but I think it depends on the position. Like he couldn't have played quarterback probably. Uh, but if he played the tight end position, could he have been more successful than Jimmy Graham if he played with Drew Brees? Of course he could. I mean, as a, the like he had the same size of him. He's more athletic. Uh, he's probably a lot stronger. I, I mean, he's just built differently. Uh, the way his frame is, uh, could he have played receiver? No, he probably wouldn't have been as successful as a slot receiver. He's one of those guys. Uh, but he will. He definitely would have been one of those new age uh, tight ends, like I what you see now. I don't think I, I I wouldn't see him as a blocking tight end. I don't think he would have gone to the NFL to be a blocking tight end. He may have been at certain packages, or at the very least, just played uh, like receiver type uh, positions. Like uh, I can't think of his name now, but the tight end for uh, the Giants, who from Old Miss. Uh, he basically is just another receiver Evan playing Ingram? that position. Yeah, Evan Ingram, where you're just a complete mismatch for uh, linebackers who would have no chance to guard LeBron. Yeah, I believe LeBron was an all-state receiver in high school, and I think he could have played receiver, tight end, either one. LeBron's so athletic, so fast, and and I think he would have been a problem for anybody. It wouldn't matter what position he played. I think he would have been super successful, whether it was tight end, receiver, defense. I think it would have all just came down to how healthy he was. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad Restituto, at Brad the Believer. The rest up comes to you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time, talking a little NBA action right now. And spent some of the games last night were, were quite interesting. And I want to talk about a game probably not too exciting on people's radar, but a team, the Knicks, who just acquired Derrick Rose in a trade. They're hovering around 500 and uh, a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And Julius Randles just continued his monster season last night with 44 points, nine rebounds, five assists. I've been high on Julius Randle for a long time since the Lakers drafted him. Uh, I like them ahead of Brandon Ingram. It's debatable who you would rather have. But Julius Randle is, is the clear go-to guy on this Knicks team. Uh, they get a nice win last night, Spence. What did the Knicks need under Tom Thibodeau to maybe make a step forward again and be a team that can maybe win a playoff series? Well, uh, to talk about Julius Randle for a second, I mean, this is the first real coach that Julius Randle has had. If you want to go down the coaching carousel, uh, even going back to the Lakers when they were just awful, but even you talk about recently for the Knicks, uh, Dave Fisdale to me is like the worst NBA coach in the past decade. I'm a Grizzlies fan, so I guess I'm a little salty about that. This is a guy who started Vince Carter on Kawhi Leonard uh, in the playoffs, like in that last year that Memphis had gone. So 
he's just on another wavelength. I think he's playing with the defensive coach. Um, uh, yeah, so <laughs> sorry. Did you want to bring in the guest? I'm sorry. I could yeah, no, go ahead with your thoughts, Spence. Go ahead. Yeah, but Julius Randle, is, he's going to be an all-star this year. He's, playing, he's obviously playing better than Samantha Sabonis. And just recently, he's, you know, uh, he's the, the thing that holds them all together. Actually, just lost Mitchell Robinson. They have gotten a little lucky with matchups in terms of injuries and just playing bad teams. But still, he goes out on the court every day and he plays really hard. And he plays hard for Tom Thibodeau. The only thing I worry about is Tom Thibodeau's minutes. Uh, Julius Randle does not get a lot of rest, but we know that about Tom Thibodeau. That's been his coaching philosophy for a very long time. R.J. Baird has been getting a few, but they can't really afford to play without him. Uh, but I think, I mean, if you want to look at the Brooklyn Nets, all they have, they're like a, the most valuable franchise in the NBA. People obviously want to play for the Knicks, but they haven't had a reason up to up until now. The Brooklyn Nets were just okay for a couple seasons, and now they've orchestrated one of the craziest teams of all time on paper. So I think if the Knicks can just get okay and get back to the playoffs, then they can start having serious conversations about having stars on their team. Yeah, you're right. We're talking NBA basketball. That's Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad Restituto joining the show, the rest stop. A good friend of mine who I appreciate jumping in, former basketball player at Humboldt State, a D1 basketball coach at Cal Poly, Cal State Monterey Bay, Cal State Fullerton, Tyler Brown TV. Thanks for jumping in on the rest stop and joining us here. What's going on, man? How you doing? All right, man. We're talking a little NBA right now, so I'm going to have you jump right in the conversation. I want you to kind of piggyback something we talked about a couple minutes ago, if you can. Uh, Spencer and I were talking about, uh, I believe, and correct me if if you disagree, the NBA talent-wise is in a better position than it's been in many years. Uh, but as me and Spencer were talking about, sometimes the the kind of pizzazz of the game gets lost sometimes. And uh, we were talking about the scoring in the NBA is so high right now in this year. And, and maybe some of that has to do with the style of play. We don't see a lot of post-up basketball, the fundamental basketball in today's game from the high school level up. We don't see a lot of. We see a lot of one-on-one basketball. You could turn on your local mixtape of your best high school player. And the basketball game, the way it's played itself, is a little bit different. What are your thoughts on, on the dichotomy between the talent and the way the game is played this day and age? I mean, uh, honestly, the game is just, it's evolving. Um, you see people, I mean, take a take, take a look at Kevin Durant. I mean, he's a seven-foot guard, and he the things that he does is just remarkable. Um, so the game is just changing. Like, these kids are developing these skills at such young ages, and, you know, they're growing them, but they, they've changed it. You've seen how prolific the three-ball um, now is all over. Um, kids are learning to shoot threes before they're learning to shoot layups. So, um it's just a sign of the times. Um, a lot of things that we uh, throw around in the in the coaching world is position as basketball. Um, you just want to get your five best players out on the court, and it doesn't really matter what that looks like. Um, a lot of people, you know, oh, two bigs. You don't see teams doing things like that. And a lot of these times, um, you know, where you find your matchups and your mismatches are in that, um, that four-man position. Look at guys like Draymond Green and – kind of what you would call like a, a hybrid or a stretch four, um, you know, and that's what makes the game special, I think, right now. But uh, getting all these guys to just be able to do different things and their skill sets and really being able to utilize them is, is huge. And so um, that's kind of what you're seeing right now. It's just a part of the evolution. Um, people are becoming more skilled. These kids are like freak athletes at a young age. Like I, 
the things and the things that these kids do on these uh, tapes, it's like, what do you guys eat? Like, it's crazy. So all that plays um, a difference. They're way more athletic. They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. Um, and again, like, their their skill set is different. Like, Damian Lillard should step back threes from the logo like it's nothing. I mean, if you saw his his last couple of uh, plays tonight in that game um, when they were they were up and they were trailing and came back, um, dude, like like he like he just like the game is different. And so, like you know, how do you become the next step of unguardable? Like these dudes just take a step back. Like okay, if you're gonna guard me here at this line, like I'm just gonna shoot it from a foot back, and it just keeps on evolving. And not obviously not everyone can do that, but um, I think it's just the nature of the beast is kind of where things are going. So um, it's exciting. Um, it does kind of get away from what we would say is like the tough defense, but uh, when you play so many games in such a short span, you know, they don't really have the time to lock in and that's what makes the playoffs so special when you have to beat somebody in a seven game series and, you know, you really have time to game plan and you see those scores are a lot less than they are in the regular season because it's so quick. You're on to the next, getting these guys healthy in the turnaround. Um, so I think, you know, all that stuff plays a combination, plays a role in, it, uh, you know, where the game is going. But I honestly, I think the game is in good hands. There's a lot of young talent. I haven't been able to watch um, much of the G League stuff that's going on. Um, but just seeing some of the highlights and some of the scores, it's a lot of young talent. And, you know, getting those guys on the Ignite team, these prolific high school players, I mean, these kids are like 18, 19 years old and they're out there doing it. So, um the game is in good hands. It's definitely going to be, uh, you know, changing and constantly growing and developing. But um, that's just the nature of the beast. And as with all games, I mean, I think that happens a lot in football, too. You look at uh, how the quarterback positions change with, like, Patrick Mahomes, some mm-hmm. of these dudes being able to move. Um, uh, and I don't know why my man from Baltimore is slipping my mind right now. but uh, Lamar Jackson. There you go, in uh, Louisville. And so you look at, like, how the game is changing for those guys, and then you look at a guy like Tom Brady who's just, you know, the quote-unquote, like, the the model-type quarterback, and he goes out and he gets it done. I mean, he's a stud, too, but I, I imagine, obviously, you know, he's had to adjust his game a little bit with the sign of the times, but, you know, they make sure that they give him a hell of an offensive line so he can do his deal, and they give him some weapons, and he'll, he'll get it done. Um, but – it's just it's just where we're at. Like everything kind of it changes a little bit. I mean, the rules change. You can't be as physical. Um, same thing in football. And now you got to adjust. And so I think all of this is just like it's part of it. Um, yeah. Well, Tyler Brown joining us on the rest stop and talking NBA basketball and basketball in general and where we're at right now. And let's talk. Continue the conversation. in The NBA. Look, the, the Lakers are the defending champions. Uh, winning the NBA title in the bubble in Orlando and then the shortest uh, turnaround ever in NBA history. And I got to be honest, uh, Tyler, I'm surprised at the quick start that the Lakers have got off to. I thought that they would have a hangover uh, from the shortened off season. And you've got a lot of young guys that are first time championship winners with the Lakers. But aside from opening night, they've really proved me wrong. And they've got off to an amazing start this year, 22 and seven on the year they get another win tonight lebron james is just he's playing every single night putting the team on his back doing it without anthony davis it's so impressive it's so historic it's something i don't think we'll see ever again and i was telling spencer uh that this this is like tom brady conversation we're seeing something in lebron james that is so generational that we'll probably never see again in our lifetimes the type of things that he's doing and continuing to do 
Um, but as far as the Lakers go, is this something they can sustain without Anthony Davis? Are they going to be able to repeat if Anthony Davis isn't at full strength this year? Um, repeat? I don't know. Uh, obviously, Anthony Davis is a major part of their success, and everyone does know that. Um, they still got the best player on the court right now. Um, I mean, I think Kevin Durant is the best player in the game, but I think that's just like putting everything that he has together. But LeBron James is the best player, like overall. Like um, Kevin Durant has the best skill set and everything, mm-hmm. and then LeBron James, he he he's executing everything. And so, obviously, whenever you have that man on your team, you always have a chance to win. Period. Um, I think they were able to have the start that they had is because they never had a finish to their last season. Like they were still in championship mode. So you guys mm-hmm. get these guys and they get hungry and they start to see it. And everyone wants to put that quote unquote asterisk. Like them dudes had something to prove in my opinion. So um, it wasn't very hard for them to keep it going because it's, they never really had time to let it all sink in and like enjoy the moment as you get with some of these guys. And like, you know, they didn't get a parade. They didn't really get an all season. They really just went to rehab and then got right back to it. So for me, in my opinion, their mind never really turned off from that championship mode. Like they're still in bubble mode, which is why they're so dangerous now. Um, and then once you get a taste of winning and you see what it's like, uh, you're hungry for more. Like the repeat and wanting to do it and just understanding that role is going to be harder. Um, but now you start looking at the West and like, uh, you know, these teams like looking at like the Jazz. And so a lot of these teams are like they're starting to find their groove and these teams are going to be dangerous if they don't have uh, AD in there. And that's what's going to be tough. And then obviously you look at the Eastern Conference and the Sixers are playing very well. Um, the Nets record uh, director doesn't show it, but I mean, look who's in the locker room. So, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a lot of it's a lot of things going on. But I mean, you think about teams like the Suns, like you get Chris Paul. It's freaking like we talk a lot about LeBron James and what he's doing at his age, but let's not forget about that man. Like the point guard, like he's doing it. You know what I mean? And now he's got some weapons around him. He's got that uh, DeAndre Ayton, and then he's got uh, Devin Booker, who is a prolific scorer. Like. He's got some pieces. They're they're a dangerous team as well, and he um, he did so much with quote unquote uh, a lack of a roster, um, you know, with the Thunder, and he, look what he was able to do. And just um, it's not like he doesn't want to get a, a ring before this is all said and done. So um, the the work is definitely cut out for them, um, regardless with without Anthony Davis. Without Anthony Davis, I think that that uh, that margin becomes very slim. But I would still more times than not, I'm putting my money on LeBron James to to get to to the to the dance. You know what I mean? That's right. Tyler Brown joining us, former D1 basketball coach at Cal State Monterey Bay, Cal Poly, St. Louis Obispo, Cal State Fullerton. Uh, TB, you mentioned a little bit the Jazz. I want to talk about them for a minute because they're they're quite the story this year as they won again last night in what was a fantastic game. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers 134-123. Uh, as far as covering the spread here in Vegas, that's, I believe, 18 out of 19. And Spencer the Wiz, jump in on this conversation, too, because I want to get all three all three of our opinions on the Utah Jazz. Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, 40 points, looks like to be the clear uh, front runner for sixth man of the year. And the Jazz are just clicking on all cylinders with Donovan Mitchell in uh, a team that, that we really kind of questioned a little bit, their chemistry, because they were the team that sparked this whole COVID-19 thing with the, the game with uh, Gobert and then Donovan Mitchell. 
but they are not missing a beat right now. They're 23 and five on the year. Uh, they've, I believe, won 18 out of 19, something yeah, like that. Eight in a row, like eight, yeah. eight in a row. Yeah, they're just playing fantastic basketball. And we talk about teams that maybe uh, trying to get healthy. If the Jazz stay healthy, can they sustain this? Can they sustain what they're doing now? And they can can they be a real threat uh, to represent the Western Conference in the finals? TB, I want to have you start off on, on the, the Jazz conversation. But Spence, I want you to jump in also and, and talk about the Jazz. I mean, we talked about them a little bit further, but they are playing outstanding right now. And this is a little bit of a shortened season, so it's not like – uh, you know, we're, we're going to be coming up on the middle of the year here in just a few games. Is this something they can sustain all the way to the finals? Yeah, I mean, my opinion, I, I think they got the tools. Um, honestly, if you really think about it, all this kind of really unfolded as soon as Shaq kind of called out Donovan Mitchell and said, I wanted to see a little bit more out of him, and I don't think he's quite there yet. And I feel like ever since we saw that little uh, – excerpt um on on social media dude they've been rolling and he is kind of like really he's like he's like okay like all right and 18 out of 19 like them dudes have, they've gotten it going so um it's definitely they're dangerous like they have tools they have weapons they got a defensive center that can move they got a prolific score in Donovan Mitchell they got playmakers they got shooters I mean they got a six man it's all about depth when you get into the playoffs and who can produce for you down the down the uh, line you know what I mean so they're they're as real as it gets I don't think it's a fluke by any means um that, that's just that's where we're at uh in terms of their roster and just like you know scrolling through it and and, and looking at it, and, you know, Mike Conley is a, a proven point guard. Derek Favors, um, Joe Ingles is a dude. I mean, you got you got guys, so I don't I don't see why not. Um, the only thing that people are going to really question is, you know, how do they do in, in a seven-game series against the Lakers? You know, can they get really past those? Do they have enough weapons? And right now, um, it's not necessarily who you got, but who's playing the best at the right time. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about timing. You know, same thing with March Madness. If you like, look at the Miami Heat. None of us thought they were going to be there, but they're gritty. They got it done. They were playing good basketball at the right time. They believed in each other. So, I mean, you get teams like that and that have seen winning, like, they're dangerous as all get out. Spence, jump in here. I mean, the Utah Jazz are playing out of their minds right now. Um, is this something that can be sustained all the way to the finals? I mean, th- even though they're not going to have a, a full capacity of fans when the playoff starts, uh, a lot of people say there's something to be said about playing in that altitude. Uh, they're fantastic at home. They're fantastic anywhere right now. Is this something that, Spence, you think they can sustain? And if Anthony Davis isn't fully healthy the entire year, uh, can the Jazz be the team like uh, the Raptors were a couple years ago, the the Nuggets who represented the Western Conference in the finals? Could Jazz be the next team that takes that step? Yeah, I, you talked about it, you know, when Shaq kind of uh, called him out, essentially. He was trying to get a little spark underneath him. I think he does believe he can be that guy, but he wanted to hear him say it. Uh, but my generation, because he's my age, we're just different. We're not really, like, kind of confrontational. So it was kind of awkward for him to get that kind of question. He's more of, like, I'm in my own lane. I kind of do my own thing. Uh, but – I, everything is working out for them. Jordan Clarkson, obviously, is having the best year of his career by far. Uh, he's uh, very comfortable in their system. But it, it's all pieced together by Mike Conley. We all very much forget like about last year, in the middle of the year, we were talking about bringing Mike Conley off the bench. He was playing that badly, shooting darn near 39% uh, field goal percentage. And this year, his percentages are way up. He's injured right now, unfortunately. But 
he was the guy who had brought the Grizzlies to the conference finals. Zach Randolph and Marcus Hall were very important, but they do not get anywhere near without him. Not only because of his play on the court, but because of the leadership that he brings. They didn't have Donovan Mitchell is not a leader. He's a very much like I lead on the court, but every team in order to reach the finals needs a guy in the locker room who's going to change things. We know LeBron James is that. We know Jimmy Butler can do that, but Donovan Mitchell is. Maybe he can develop into it, although I would very much say that it's something that you know very early on. So I'm going to say no for the time being. So when Mike Conley does decide to hang it up, he's only 32, uh, so he's getting a little bit up there. But he's probably still has two more years left with the Utah Jazz. But when he does end up leaving, someone else is going to have to take his place. Otherwise, they're going to go back into obscurity. The Jazz have just never really been able to get it done historically. I mean, we know about the John Stockton teams, but other than that, uh, they haven't really ever gotten close to winning a championship so it's a lot to ask of a team to go from mediocrity to to just you know being average to going all the way to the nba finals uh i mean you can kind of say the miami heat being that nobody of those players you know played with lebron james but still uh jimmy butler is like to that level of guy uh other than that super gritty and you know their culture and you know everyone talks about the heat organization and so you definitely don't get that like aura with the jazz but like and I agree, you don't just like boom. Now we're now we're gonna rock and you know be champions. And again, you've got to go up against a LeBron James Western Conference. That's not easy for anybody. But um, you know, playing well at the right time. But like he said, I agree. You know, uh, are they gonna be able to lock in and who can they really beat in a seventh game series? But um, having that point guard is a big deal. Um, locker room leadership on and off the floor. Um, point guard presence. You think about a lot of these championship teams. They all got point guards, and at the end of the day, we know LeBron James is a point guard. Like, regardless of what position he plays, he he, he is a point guard, and he definitely does. Um, and he, you know, you saw it with the Lakers, uh, with Rondo and LeBron. Like, some of the stuff that they were doing in the finals was crazy to have both of those basketball minds on the court and dissecting, you know, the other team and really getting guys in spots to make the game so easy for them to be uh, successful. So, yeah, Mike Conley is a big deal, and you're definitely going to need him. And He's one of the guys that definitely gets looked over as a as a top point guard in not only the league or the Western Conference, but in the league. So I agree with that. But um, work is cut out for him. But it's I just don't count them out with how well they are playing. But um, they're gonna they're gonna we'll see how they bounce back when some things start to you know fault a little bit for them. Guys, I, I want to get your opinions on in a losing effort last night against the Jazz, the Sixers. Uh, ben Simmons, who we haven't talked about too much this year. Uh, the Sixers are 18 and 10 on the year under first year head coach Doc Rivers. Ben Simmons had a career high 42 points last night. Does this mean anything to you guys? Tyler started off with Ben Simmons, a fantastic effort and a loss, uh, 42 points. Unlike Ben Simmons, we know he doesn't shoot the ball from the outside very much, but if this guy could ever develop an outside shot, he'd be in the conversation uh, for a top five player in the league. A fantastic performance and a losing effort, but Ben Simmons can carry the scoring load, it looks like, as he did last night, scoring 42 points. Does that mean anything to you, what he did last night? Uh, not too much to me. I mean, I guess it's nice to see and that he's capable. I don't think he's – I think he's a hell of a player as well. Um, to be – a prolific scorer in the league and not shoot the three ball. I just don't think there's very many of them. Um, think about a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Um, I don't know who else we can name off the top of my head, honestly, uh, especially at the guard spot. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean too much to me. I, I mean, it's, it's NBA. Most of these guys are capable. 
uh, must be realistic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his presser, he was like, I was offended that they put um, Rudy Gobert on me. But realistically, if you're looking at um, in a losing effort, like it, if he couldn't beat them, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to let this dude go for 50 and take the W. That's what we're doing. That's the game plan. He can't he yeah. can't beat me. Yeah, uh, he's not going to score 40 points again. The, the, the big missing piece about all this is Joel Embiid did not play in that game. I see it very much. It's not in the same vein. So when I say this, it's going to sound a little weird. But when Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire played together, fundamentally those two opposed each other. People think of Carmelo as like an outside in, but in the prime of his career, he played from the post and then worked his way outside to the mid-range and then the three-point line if he was feeling it that night. So... Obviously, he's not going to shoot threes as of right now. He if he's an okay post player, and especially when you have very undersized guards, which is like the most popular thing in the world because post game is dead, and certainly anybody in the guard position can't play in the post either. Uh, but he's kind of against the mold there. Uh, if he's matched up against smaller guys, I mean, he he could have a field day at any point in time. But Joel Embiid, we know, is an awful three point shooter, someone who should never shoot threes, even if he wanted to. Uh, I think he's. Like uh, I don't. I don't agree that he's an awful three point shooter. But I think he's like it, a twenty percent three point shooter. I'm going to look it up right now. But it's probably not the not the best statistically, but I think he's a work in progress. I think that's part of something that he's elevating his game, um, similar to how guys like Blake Griffin did. Except when Blake Griffin elevated his, he just started hitting them. So I was like, bang, like I was on the scene. But again, that's just the nature of the beast. Like all these bigs are shooting the ball. I mean, look at the Lopez brothers, and then, like everybody can step out. And they tr- they're trying to show the range. I mean, we saw Dwight shoot threes a number of times last year. Um, Dwight, that's just that's that, that, yeah, and and he has no business doing it. <laughs> so, but that's just that's where we're at because you know to an extent it's like what teams are going to live with, and so they have to force that guy to guard them. And the only reason way to get that guy to guard you is to take the shot, miss or make. You know what I mean? So you have to prove it. I mean, TV. it's ruining the the uh, Milwaukee Bucks right now. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo is forcing himself to shoot threes, and it is just decimating their team this season for whatever reason. I don't know. So I think if you can't shoot threes, don't do it until you know you can shoot. Because uh, Ben or uh, Joel Embiid shooting a career low in three point percentage, or and he's career high in three point percentage, but a career low in attempts. The, the, the season he tried to shoot the most, he shot thirty percent from downtown. If you can't do it, you can't do it. That's kind of my point. Yeah, and, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, agreeing, especially as it's one of those things. Um, I saw uh, Calvin Sampson say something in, uh, uh, in a press conference about college. He was like, you know, if you're a bad three-point shooter, I'm not going to try to Im- Im- make you feel better about shooting. I don't want you shooting the ball. It's not good for you. It's not good for our team. Like, we're not going to win. But, I mean, I feel like in the league, it's so much different because these guys spend all this time in the off time, uh, in the off season working on their game. And then just the, the egos and everything else that goes into it. And, you know, the game's changing now. I have to be like, oh, oh, I adapt and I can do this. And I'm sure they very well can. But at the same time, you got to make the shot. And you have it. And it's the same thing for them because you don't have to guard Giannis outside of the paint. And if you can get him from uh, – keep him from going downhill, then you, like, you nullify him. I mean, he's still going to be very – um, he's going to affect the game with his length, his athleticism, and he's just overall activity. But I mean, if I can help off of him and he gets that double team and like, you're just going to wear him down and you're not going to beat somebody with all twos. Like you, it's not, you, you gotta be able to have some, you gotta be able to knock in a three ball. 
Guys, I want to get a couple more uh, topics in, but I got to get your opinion real quick, TB. Uh, We talk about shooting the three ball and and Spence, you as well. They've been telling us, uh, the NBA media pundits have been telling us for years, Ben Simmons needs to work on a shot. He can't shoot. He's got the form. He should be able to shoot. Uh, We're like four or five years in, and he's still not shooting the three ball. So it looks to me like it's never going to happen. He's just not going to be a shooter. He's never going to shoot the ball. I mean, if it hasn't happened at all where in three years he has not taken – three-point attempts, what makes us believe it's going to happen ever? So uh, what about this conversation about you can teach guys to shoot the ball? Apparently you can't. Uh, Your thoughts? Hmm. Well, uh, in my opinion, uh, he just needs to have a game. It doesn't matter if he's an all-encompassing score. I don't think – I think that's overinflated. Now, it looks horrible when you see someone like DeMar DeRozan and the game's kind of past him, but he's still an effective basketball player. Uh, but I think the more important issue with the 76ers just in general or a lot of the teams is that for Ben Simmons, basketball is not the most important thing in his life. For If you want to talk about all the greats, LeBron James in the, in the game right now, Kevin Durant, um, uh, Kawhi Leonard, the, basketball is their number one priority. Whether or not they mask it behind social justice and stuff like that is another question. We know at the end of the day, there's nothing above that. And that's what makes them so great. Ben Simmons, he does care about basketball, but it's not the number one thing for him. And that's why they lost the series uh, when Kawhi Leonard played them in Toronto, because they're especially with Kyle Lowry, too. uh, They need a guy on their team that isn't just good, but someone who their number one top priority is going to be winning a championship. Uh, look, look, guys, I want to get into this conversation. Tyler, I want your opinion here. You mentioned the name Blake Griffin a couple minutes ago. He's a guy uh, that I still think has a little bit left in the tank and, and someone that can help a team maybe get over the hump. Do you think he's got enough left to help a team get over the hump? And where do you think he might land or the best th- spot for him uh, to maybe help a team reach the finals? Blake Griffin, where do you see him fitting in the best uh, as he's looking for a new team possibly and the Pistons looking to trade him? Um, honestly, I have no idea where he lands. Um, but does he have it? Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm not saying he's out. I think that his years in Detroit have been really good. Um, just displaying his overall versatility. Like, we used to think that Blake Griffin. Well, I don't say we, but majority of people used to think Blake Griffin could only catch a lob. Like legit like only could catch a lob and his post game was very suspect at best um back to the basket and now he's shooting threes he's handling it off the ball like dude is a player i mean he's always been a player if you watch him in college and in high school but he's really sharpened up those skills and um he's a serious threat um at multiple levels it's not just you know in the in the vicinity of the paint um so i definitely think he he helped um i think he's a competitor uh he's a proven veteran um, former all-star like he, he is he's still got a lot left in him um, to that he could be valuable to a uh, to a contender for sure um, I don't think that's a that's any a question at all now who gets him where he goes man I feel like the list could be could be long depending on um, you know injuries and a lot of other things like I could like I could see him going to play in Miami, but do I think Miami's going to go, you know, to the finals? No, but you know what I mean? I think that's somebody that he could help. Um, I think he could help a team like the Raptors. Um, and if you're looking in the Western Conference, like uh, he, there's, there's, he can help teams. Like that's not that's not what I'm uh, necessarily worried about, but where he's, he's going to end up, I mean, who knows? I, 
can he help the Trailblazers? Does is he a better is he a better defender than uh, Nurkic? Does he does he help does he help their setup? Is he more mobile? Does he change their their dynamic? Now they're a little bit faster getting up and down the court with you know him Carmelo, uh, Dame and CJ like that could be kind of nasty. You know what I mean? So there, there's some teams that he can really help uh, make better for sure. Spence, real quick, go ahead. He will be a Golden State Warrior. That's my uh, prediction right now. I don't see him going to any other team. They have the least amount of talent in the league, and it's just I can just see the headlines now. Uh, I think he'll play a lot of time at the center position or mix and match Draymond Green. They play positionless basketball just in general, or he may even come off the bench for them. But uh, they're desperate for anybody who uh, knows how to play basketball on their team because they have easily one of the worst rosters in the NBA, like by far. I don't think he's been looking for a huge payday this season. Hope he's he's going to want to try to go to a playoff team and get the next his big contract. Yeah, it takes him into retirement for sure. Yeah. TB, so. uh, your your thoughts? This is your neck of the woods, Golden State. Do they have the worst roster in the league? And and will uh, Blake Griffin help them? They're it's like they have young talent. Um, worst roster. I mean, they're not good i mean but steph is amazing but even this is like i feel like they're they just they're building basketball iq like those guys don't even know how to get steph shots like it's crazy in my opinion and then he has to be like overly aggressive which is borderline out of character but as fans we love to see it because he's just such a prolific scorer and he just does so many amazing things um but they they do i agree they do need some help but they are plagued a little bit by some injury and use um but it's a completely different beast, obviously, if you have a guy like Clay Thompson out there. But I don't think Kelly uh, Overy has been what they thought he was going to be mm. for them. Um, I mean, he, he's just kind of had some struggle. I think Andrew Wiggins has been more than they thought he was going to be, or maybe just the general public probably thought that um, he was going to be. I think he's being he's been playing very solid. Um, I like Pascal. Um, other than that, I mean, Damian Jones. They got a they got a Bay Area kid and. and uh, and Juan, they got a couple guys that are just, you know, you're rooting for them. Uh, but then it's not the, of the Golden State we've seen in the past five years, which is what um, people have come accustomed to. So now that they're below that bar, then I think everyone's off the horse. But even with all that being said, they're still sitting at an eight spot. And at the end of the day, like, no, they're not going to probably do any real damage in the playoffs. But they're going to extend a series a little bit longer than it needs to go. And you just, you know what I mean? You get them in there and they may take it to a game six because they got some veterans and some guys that could lock in. But I mean, I don't, out of the first round. No, sir. TB, do you think, uh, I love Clay Thompson so much. Do you, do you think it, he can come back from two straight injuries and be the guy that we've seen in the past and and bring the Warriors just by himself with maybe an addition or two back in the conversation? Or is it just too high expectations to expect a guy to come back from two straight years off injury and be the guy that we're accustomed to seeing? Um, accustomed to shooting or seeing is like he, he's a knockdown shooter. I don't think he's going to lose that that's not going anywhere. Um, is he going to be able to defend at the level that he was before? Mm. It's going to take some time, of course, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere because so much of that is like going to be mentally his heart, his pride and the will to want to defend. Um, as you know, a lot of guys don't have interest in it. I think he does. Um, mm. So it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment for sure, but I don't think that we should be writing Clay Thompson off. I think he um, is a very talented player and I think he will be able to fit in because again, like, you could put a you could put a shooter in any situation. 
You know what I mean? He can spread. He's still going to spread the floor. You're still going to respect him. Um, I mean, the dude goes off for 60-something points with minimal dribbles. Like, he, mm, it's, yeah. it doesn't take him much to to get back in the groove. It's just having, like, you talk about, like, the right people around him. Obviously, having somebody like uh, Steph on the court is, like, there's two attention getters with that, and you have a playmaker in Draymond Green, and, you know, you get a guy, uh, the young fellow that they got, uh, as he's figuring it out, he's only going to get better. I mean, so it's not like they're, they're going to be um, – you know, just frowned upon moving forward. But the thing is, it's just that um, while they're in a stalemate, other people are getting better. And so that's the tough part. Um, the Western Conference is evolving around them. So they're going to be playing catch up in that sense. Uh, so it's how how deep can they get their roster in a year and a half in order to when he's coming back, they are in that conversation. Um because as long as the Lakers have LeBron and AD, and as you see, LeBron, it's no interest in slowing things down. So um, that's that's going to be, you know, the, the 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 pinnacle at the top. And then again, you're going to look around the West. The Houston Rockets, I feel like, are very dangerous if they can figure it out. Um, I mean, I like their setup. Um, so you got them, you got the Suns. Uh, Dallas seems to be imploding a little bit. Um, but again, they'll figure it out because uh, Luke is a hell of a player to build around. The Blazers are, are just dangerous, period. Damian Lillard should be in the MVP conversation a lot more. He's by far, I think, one of the most clutch players in the league. Um, and he just, he's got it. He's a leader. He's a player. He's everything, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, they, they, they've got their work cut out for them um, as before they've been the person always being chased, they're going to have to do some chasing. So that's like the tough part. And so it's like, where can we get the cap space? And can we get the guys available to come play and, and now make them, you know, more of a contender? TB, man, I appreciate you taking some time to jump on the show. Uh, there's all going to be all kinds of NBA talk as we wrap up closer down the road. I'd love to have you back on, man. Stay safe out there. Look forward to catching up with you soon, man, especially once we get through all this COVID stuff. Yeah, appreciate it. Going to need to take a trip out to Vegas for sure. All right, brother. Have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. That's Tyler Brown, former coach at Cal State Monterey Bay, Cal State Fullerton, joining us on the rest stop. He's got some great insight into basketball, the game itself, and we look forward to having him on the show again down the road closer to playoff time. Is Look, we just went uh, the full hour on just NBA talk. There's so much more to talk about with TV also when it comes to basketball. I mean, I, I'd love to pick his brain about what's going on in his neck of the woods in California with everything going on, how the NBA is navigating the COVID situation. So we'll definitely have him back on down the road to talk more about this stuff but that's it for tonight's show on tuesday i want to thank tyler brown follow him on twitter at tyler uh, at coach tv1 uh spencer the whiz at spencer the whiz on brad the believer make sure you check out the show and the podcast version of the show every tuesday and thursday but you can check out the podcast anytime if you miss us live just check out itunes spotify google audio to audio boom under landry football conference call and the rest stop will be underneath there. For Spencer the Wiz, for Tyler Brown, I'm Brad Restituto. Have a great night. We'll see you back on Thursday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.